Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Hello, today we're continuing in Ephesians chapter 4. We're in verse 7. You know, there's always a danger of forgetting that Christ is the head of the church and that his plan is for the church to grow and mature. So Paul began in chapter 4, verse 1, by telling us, encouraging us to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. This verse is the summit of Ephesians. In other words, just the halfway point, the dividing mark of this letter. Paul spent the first three chapters reminding us of our blessings in Christ because he wants us to know intellectually just how blessed we are, but he also wants us to be empowered by it. So he shifts the focus from blessings to what our behavior should be. So from wealth in Christ to our walk in Christ. He first reminds us of our privileges, and now he turns to our practice. If I had to give a title to chapters 4, 5, and 6, it'd be this. It's time to grow up. It's time to live like the person you've become. Act like who you are in Christ. Now, to do this, we have to first know who we are in Christ, right? We have to think differently to live differently. We like to focus on the commands, the imperatives in chapters 4, 5, and 6, and argue about them even. But as we focus on our blessings in Christ, we will get new behaviors like Christ. So let's jump in. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll start with verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. But what does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. See, Paul is reminding us that Jesus is the one with the authority to distribute gifts of grace as he sees fit. And then he goes to a sidebar conversation and he quotes from Psalm chapter 68, verse 18, the it that he refers to is scripture. He assumed his audience would recognize this reference to Psalms without needing to spell it out. The implication, of course, is that the early Christians commonly used Psalms whenever they would gather together. That's why we read through books of the Bible in C3 Network. Why? Because if you don't read God's word, you're certainly not in danger of ever knowing God's will. The quote here references two actions that were fulfilled by Jesus. First, is the ascension of Jesus. You see, after his ascension, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. We learned that in Acts 2. And he gave spiritual gifts to God's people. That's the reference here. Second, Jesus gave gifts to men. This statement uses the general Greek word for human beings, meaning people. In other words, not just merely men, but all people. All believers have at least one spiritual gift. Some of the gifts are listed in Scripture. I'm going to put these on the screen. Ephesians 4:11, Romans 12:4 through 8, and 1 Corinthians 12:4 through 11. But the focus of Paul's teaching is not on how many gifts or even which gifts you have, not here in this passage. The focus of this passage is that Christ followers should strive to use their, the the gifts that God has given them in order to serve others. 
Instead of focusing on what gifts others have or on which gifts I don't have, he's encouraging each one of us to live on mission, to get busy serving others by using our gifts. We need to live the life that he has given us to live to the best of our ability. We need to find a way to use our gifts to serve others. Now, let's, let me be blunt for just a minute. Sometimes we don't like the hand we've been dealt. All right? We'd rather have a different gift or be in different circumstances. A huge part of living the life is using our gifts to the best of our ability. A few weeks back at the 2022 Kentucky Derby race, it was one that movies are made from. The horse that won was Rich Strike. He didn't have the best starting position. He wasn't the biggest or the best horse. In fact, only 20 horses run this race, and Rich Strike was number 21. He only made it into the race on account of another horse having to scratch. He was a $30,000 horse running against multi-million dollar horses. You see, it isn't always about having the best of everything or even being the biggest and favored. It's about the size of your heart and dedication to win and excel in everything that you do. Rich Strike was an 80 to 1 long shot. Just go to YouTube and grab a video of that two-minute race. You'll love it. Well done, Rich Strike, is what I tell him. Coming out of the gates, Rich Strike was about at about number 18 going into the first turn. A small detail is that during the race, the announcer was announcing as expected, but at the halfway point, suddenly said that the horses were running, quote, blazing fast. It was a 45 second, 45.36 seconds at the half mile. That's how fast they ran it. In the end, Rich Strike had more gas and won the race. But all eyes were focused on the two horses, Epicenter and Zandon, as they ran neck and neck at the finish. But jockey Sonny Leone and Rich Strike were running their race. See, Jesus gives gifts to each of us. And each gift is an expression of his grace to us. Every believer has a spiritual gift. We aren't asked to run like anyone else. We're asked to run the race that's been laid out for each one of us to use our gifts to serve others. Now, the list given next aren't all the gifts, as I've said before, just some of them. But he mentions five of the gifts that are basic to building the church. I want to look at verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. See, in this verse, Paul returns from a sidebar conversation about Jesus, and he says, it was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles. You see, he mentioned them here because of their role in establishing the church. The word apostle just means one who is sent out. In the New Testament, there are Two primary usages of this word apostle. This is important. The first is specifically referring to the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. The second is, in, is generically referring to other individuals who are sent out to be messengers or ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And then he says, he gave some to be prophets. Now, prophets are people to whom God has made known a message for his people that's appropriate to a particular need or situation that, that, that may be going on. They may, they may or may not want to hear from God, but they're going to hear from the prophet. That's the job of the prophet. And then he gave some to be evangelists. 
So while other gifted people help the church grow through edification, encouragement, the evangelists help the church grow through evangelism, or as we say it, helping people moving, move from lost to found. Since the objective is to prepare God's people for works of service, though, as we're going to see in a minute, I assume that these evangelists also among their various ministries would help other Christians in their testimony. Finally, he gave some to be pastors and teachers. These groups of gifted people are very closely related. Those who have pastoral care for God's people, that's the image of a, of a shepherd, will naturally provide food from the scriptures, and that's teaching. Now, I've already mentioned the answer to this, but why were these gifts given? Let's continue to read verse 12 and 13. This is what he says to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Why were gifts given? What's the purpose? It's to equip God's people for works of service. You see, leaders don't entertain. Leaders train. You were given a gift it's because it's necessary for the body to grow and mature. Not only do you need to mature, but also so does the microchurch, the congregation. Equip means to supply what's needed for a particular purpose. That really fits the vision of the C3 network. See, we are creating a network of microchurches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to live on mission. We're supposed to train the people to do the work themselves. And in that way, we're serving Christ. We're barely into chapter four. And already, if you're not careful, it's easy to start dissecting verses. We want to, we enjoy it. But his point is that the gospel is all that God has done for us in Christ. And now he's talking to all that we do and become in Christ. The point in this section isn't that we should be impressed by those who have these gifts, but that everybody should use the gifts given to mature the body of Christ. Christ apportioned the gifts. Apportioned. Apportioned means to divide and share according to a plan. See, Christ decided which gift you would receive and how much of it you would receive. These were not glamour jobs. You're not going to find these listed on Indeed.com or Monster.com. No, no headhunter is going to go calling, looking for some, some way to fill this role of an apostle or a prophet. See, Jesus made those decisions. In most cases, well, gifts came with a burden. Think about your favorite cake. We've all been to birthday parties, and without saying so, don't you expect the cake to be cut in similar sizes, right? Don't want to be gypped. Not different size slices. That way, everybody gets something and no one gets more. But what if someone cut different sizes? Maybe they didn't know the rule for cutting the cake. At first, we'd really love what we have. And then we'd look around at what others had, and it would probably bother us. It would annoy me, right? Why did he get more? Why did she get the corner piece? Why did they get the middle pieces? Why is my piece so small? And we'd feel prideful because our slice is bigger or jealous 
because our slice of cake isn't as much. Bottom line, he's saying, enjoy what you've been served, your portion. See, when it comes to spiritual gifts, you have a spiritual gift. Every believer does. Who gets to make the decision on which gifts? Jesus does, because he's the boss, he's the head of the body. Christ is the one who distributes the gift. gifts. Christ is the one handing out the grace, the gifts. Our job is to put them to good use for the sake of the body. But here's what happens. Just like the cake, we start looking at what everyone else has or seems to have, and we judge the blessing we've been given based upon the portion we see given to everyone else. And that misses the point. Part of living the life is using our gifts to serve others. First Peter chapter four, great passage, teaches this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You see, every gift boils down to one of two things. To exercise your gift, you are either speaking or you're serving. So find and use your gift to serve others. They are meant for self-promotion but you'll probably enjoy using them. They, the gifts are not meant for personal gain. They're meant for bodybuilding, the body of Christ. Now, how do you know what your gift is? You see, when you use your gift, it's obvious and it impacts people positively. You enjoy it. Others say you're good at it. Others benefit and grow from it. That's how you know. Everybody serves. Everybody gives. Everybody leads something. But when you are in your sweet spot, you know it. It might surprise you that I don't crave cake, never have, probably never will. So for me to have a large piece of cake is a burden. But for some of you, that is heaven. But if Christ served me a large piece of cake, I'd say thank you. You know, we were out to dinner. Beth and I were out to dinner with some friends, with, with a couple. And she is a teacher for a very large Bible study. And she had taught the previous week. 525 women who are serious about their Bible study. And I asked her, did you enjoy it? And her face lit up. Yes. In fact, she couldn't smile big enough. Why did she light up that way? Want to know why? Because she is using her gift of teaching. She had taken what was given to her and she's using it to build up the body of Christ. See, we sometimes try to improve on God's design and plan, don't we? God had a good plan when he gave everybody a gift and he's asked us to put our gift to work. You know, I have friends who use a Fitbits to track their steps. Do you guys use those? You ever tried to improve it or make it count extra steps by maybe shaking your arm around or tie it to your dog's collar or maybe toss it in the dryer? Thump, thump, thump. I just imagine that that might work. But throughout our life from beginning to end, our identity is linked to our actions. Who we are affects how we should act. And this is the basic principle of life to which Paul is appealing here in this opening sentence of chapter four. In the first three chapters, as I said, he's just going, hey, you're a child of God. Now in the fourth chapter, he is saying, act like one. 
And then throughout the rest of Ephesians, he spells out for us in very specific detail how we're supposed to act. Usually, we have to relearn some things, retrain ourselves how to think differently so we can live differently. See, he's telling us that the purpose of our gifts is for us to grow up until we all reach the unity. You may not be mature at this moment, but you are reaching for it. Reach is the basic idea of stretching out your arm, something that's just out of your reach, but you're determined to get it. You reach for it, you stretch, you're striving until we all reach unity. We grow up. The body of Christ matures as each part does its work. But here's the thing. We need each part. We need you to do your part. He's given you your gift to use because as you use it, you mature. And the body of Christ is built up. Let's continue wrapping this section up, verse 14. And then he says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Every person needs to be moving towards maturity. The destination is maturity, which got me to thinking about the path towards maturity that we all take. Yeah, I have two kids, Micah and Ashley. Micah's 27, Ashley's 25. I absolutely love those, those guys. But when they were toddlers, they did all kinds of cute stuff that I still remember thinking uh, as I was a dad was so great. At times, I'd even laughed at something they did, and Beth would just respond by saying, well, I'm glad that you think that's funny. See, she had been with them all day. She didn't think it was that funny. But you, you guys know what I mean. But I'm glad that they're out of diapers, right? I'm glad they can feed themselves without plastic mat under their high chair. And we, in fact, when Ashley was a, a little girl, we taught her some sign language about being all done. So when she was finished, she'd give us that all done sign. Then she figured out when she didn't want to eat something, she'd give us the all done sign as well. So all that's really cute at the age of two. And what you learn is maturity. Maturing takes time. You get that baby growing up from two-year-old. They're cute. They're messy. They got green peas all over their face. It's in their ears and their hair. And it's cute in the plastic mat under the high chair. And changing the stinky diaper at first, that's not all that bad. And then they start on the real food. Yikes. And then you break out the hazmat suit. You call the wife for backup. Just imagine your, your 25, 27-year-old has chosen not to mature. That's ridiculous. But think about that. You got to still clean up after them. Awful. So here's the point. Maturity is our goal for everybody. I want to encourage you to live the way God's people should live. In particular, there are two very important things. This is very important. First, since you are spiritually united in Christ with all other Christians, live in unity with one another, minister to others, and let others minister to you. You see, that way, we'll all grow in spiritual maturity. Second, live holy lives. We'll talk about this in the coming weeks, but bottom line is to put behind you the sins of the past and live a moral and ethical lifestyle that reflects the values of Christ. All right, what are my next steps? 
Well, let me ask you, do you know your gift? Are you using it? Are you working? Do something. You know, eat your, eat your slice of cake. Why? Because when you were born again, you were designed to mature and develop, not only physically, but emotionally, intellectually, as well as spiritually. Being a Christian isn't just about being born again spiritually. It's about maturing in Christ. But being born again is part of the process. Until you're born, you can't begin to live. I think we know that. So what will it be for you? How about this? First, be sure that you have put your faith on God alone. Trust him. Then, be who you were created to be. Pick up the plate. Enjoy the slice, the gift that God has given you. Enjoy who God has created you to be and serve the people uh, who are around you and allow them to serve you as well. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you not only have brought us unity, but you have, you've, you've given us gifts. My prayer, Father, is very simply that we would each one use our gifts to be a blessing to our fellow believers. I pray, Father, that the body will grow stronger and bigger because we are obedient in using the gifts that you have given to us. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.